0: As we continue the sermon series, Decisions That Determine Your Destiny, you are the decision maker in your life. One decision at a time, you have become the architect of your life. It is urgent for you to understand that there is no such thing as indecision. Say that with me. There is no such thing as indecision. You either decide or you decide not to decide, but in either instance you've made a decision. The decision called love in the Bible is not an option, it's a command. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, the Bible says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Now there's a 40-minute sermon in that one sentence. But it is, you shall love the Lord. It's not an option. Matthew 19, 19, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is someone who has a need that you can meet. It's not necessarily the guy across the street. If your life is upside down and your finest plans have produced chaos, maybe you should consider the writings of St. Paul in Romans the 8th chapter, the 24th, 25th verse. And all things, say that with me, all things work together for them that love God. We always say, and all things work together. They do. If you love God, if you don't love God, your life is going to be upside down. God will see to it. St. John weighs in on a decision called love, and I love this verse. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If there's something that attracts you outside of the house of God on Sunday more than this place, that's your God, and God is offended by it. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is his house. This is where he expects you to be. What does love look like? What does love feel like? What does love sound like? One man was saying to another, I want to marry a brilliant woman. I want to marry a beautiful woman. I want to marry a woman that can make me happy. His friend looked at him and said, you've got to make up your mind, pal. (laughs) An old man was crying on the park bench and the, the policeman saw him and he walked over to him and he said, why are you crying? And the man responded, said, I'm 80 years of age. Considering my own age, maybe I ought to bump that up to 90. (laughs) He said, I'm 80 years of age. I'm rich. I live in a huge mansion. I'm married to a beautiful 35-year-old woman. She loves me. She can't keep her hands off of me. And the policeman said, so what's your problem? He said, I can't remember where I live. (laughs) How many of you are having memory problems? Yeah, the rest of you are lying. Our lives are shaped by people that love us and by people that don't love us. A 35-year-old man said to me recently with tears in his eyes, My mother loved me with all of her being. My father never told me one time in my life he loved me. America is filled with self-centered fathers who worship, the God of self, while they never hug or embrace or kiss their children. If this is you, you are pathetic. You are not a father. You may be a macho kind of dude, but you are one pathetic father. Every baby reaching out for its mother's cheeks. Is reaching for life's greatest treasure love there is no greater gift a father can give to his children than the gift of unconditional love every marriage is an attempt to find love listen up singles for just a minute there is free love and there's covenant love and you better know the difference they're not one in the same free love takes covenant love gives free love says let's move in together without the benefit of marriage does this describe you if it's yes you're living in adultery it's not free love it's adultery get married or move out and if he's standing beside you right now take a taxi home hang on Free love gives sexually transmitted diseases and will give you a home in the lake of fire. Covenant love will give you a ring, will give you children, and will give you a beautiful life. You need to know the difference. Covenant love makes your life as the days of heaven on earth. Your decisions determine your destiny. Your decisions determine your destiny and you make a great decision when you choose between those two kinds of love. There is a daring act of a woman in the Gospel of Mark that made a a decision to love that changed the world forever. This is the woman who changed the Gospel forever. Her act of love toward Jesus was daring. It was an absolute devotion on parade. She gave all to honor the Lord Jesus Christ in the last few days of his life. Let's read the story in Mark 14 1 through 9 ready read together after two days it was the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread and the chief priest and the scribes sought how they might take Jesus by trickery and put him to death and they said not during the feast lest there be an uproar of the people that word uproar really translates riot among the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster box of very costly oil of spikenard, and she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii, and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Say that with me. Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do good to them. But me you do not have always she has done what she could she has come Beforehand to anoint my body for burial assuredly. I say to you Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world that this woman Did what this woman did will always be spoken of as a memorial to her? Let's pray father let us today pledge to you and to each other that we will give the unconditional love of God to our families and to each other. And all of God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. Here's the setting of this very dramatic story. There are two scenes in the story. Listen closely. There are two groups of people who have opposite points of view concerning the death of Jesus Christ. The first is taking place in the home of Simon the leper. He has been healed from leprosy. Leprosy in the Bible was a death sentence. They were very appreciative of what Jesus had done for them, and so they were preparing a Passover meal for the rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth. What Thanksgiving is to Americans, Passover is to the Jewish people, and much, much more. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of singing. Passover is a time of acting out the drama of leaving Egypt for the, for the Promised Land. Signal fires were lit around the city of Jerusalem. Shofars were blowing. Banners were waving. People poured into Jerusalem from Galilee and from all regions of the nation of Israel to celebrate. More more than one million people were there. How do you know that? Because Josephus the historian says there was a sheep count. People sacrificed a lamb at the Passover just as the first Passover. And the count was at least 200,000 lambs if a family of 3 or 4 that means at least a million people were in the city of Jerusalem it was like a big family reunion as the thousands poured in they had come to celebrate <coughs> they had come to celebrate their deliverance from Egypt's bondage freedom is not free say that with me freedom is not free Thank God for the freedom that we enjoy as Americans. If we do not use our freedom to defend our freedom, we will lose our freedom. It's time for the people of the United States of America to stand up and expect the federal government of these United States to protect and preserve the freedoms of the United States. The Passover was Israel's freedom celebration. Every business was closed. Every Jewish kitchen was filled with the aroma of the finest Jewish foods. Chicken soup for the soul was there. There was hot pastrami sandwiches, harsh reddish, heartburn. It was a Maalox moment in the New Testament. From Dan to 'er Beersheba at the house of Simon the leper, Mary and Martha are are preparing to celebrate the Passover with Jesus Christ. How many of you would like to celebrate the Passover with Jesus Christ? You're going to get to do that by the way. When the bride of Christ returns and the eternal kingdom is established in Jerusalem, for 1000 years of the millennial, the Bible clearly teaches We are all going to celebrate the Passover, that Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb, has redeemed us by his precious blood, and we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Give him praise in the house of God. The second scene. This is another gathering concerning Jesus. It's a small group of political and religious leaders that are planning the execution of Jesus Christ. This is what is called in history the Calvary Conspiracy. Listen, Herod was not someone that represented the Jewish people. He was appointed by the Roman government. He did not represent the will of the Jewish people. He killed the Sanhedrin and he appointed those to the uh, apostate Sanhedrin of people who were willing to bow to the will of Rome. The high priest who was politically appointed who did the same for Rome and not the Jewish people was the mastermind of the Calvary conspiracy. People read the Bible saying, and the Jews, t- 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 they say something hateful about Jesus. It was this politi- p- political core of people. The conspiracy of Rome to crucify Christ required deception. The Bible says the chief priests and scribes were see- seeking a way to seize him by dis- trickery, by deception. Notice that they feared the people. They said... Not arrest him during the feast of the Passover, lest there be a riot among the people. Underline that word, riot, and put it in your brain. Jesus was loved by so many Jewish people that these conspirators feared a riot if they tried to take him. Listen, a riot is a spontaneous public uproar. It's not something that you organize It's something that happens because the people are incensed in mass. What's the point? The point is that for centuries, the message has been taught that all of the Jews rejected Jesus Christ. That is absolutely wrong. The Pharisees rejected Jesus on the basis of theology. He looked at them and said, prostitutes are going to heaven before you. When you look at a bunch of religious leaders and tell them that, that's really not a way to win friends and influence people. But that's what Jesus said. Rome rejected people. They, Rome was afraid of Jesus. One, he's from Galilee. That was the redneck territory of Israel. That's where all trouble came from. But here was a man who could feed thousands of people with a sack lunch who could heal the sick and raise the dead. That man could put an army together and sustain him with absolutely nothing. Rome was terrified of this guy. They were conspiring how to kill him. The Christian theology has been... For centuries that all of the Jewish people rejected Jesus, that's just wrong. If they rejected him, how could a riot spontaneously happen in the streets of Jerusalem? Also, John, St. John 12, says, Many of the Jews believed in Jesus, many as in the majority... So that theology of hatred that for years had been presented by Christian theologians is just simply not biblically right. Why did these people want to hurt Jesus? Because he had rebuked their godless lives. They were Pharisees. They were legalists. They were political people put in power by Rome. They carried swords. They would kill you if you disagreed with them doctrinally. Jesus called them a group of vipers and hypocrites, and it was more than they could stand. Meanwhile, back to scene one, the house of Simon the leper was where this magnificent decision was about to be made. It was an act of love. So dramatic is this expression of love, so shocking, so historic that Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached in all of the world, This story is going to be told what this woman has done because it is above and beyond. It is a measurement of love not seen before. The extravagant love produced extravagant devotion. I want to say that again. Extravagant love produces extreme devotion. Verse 3 of the text, There came a woman with an alabaster box so costly of perfume of pure nard, and she broke the vial and broke it over his head. John 12:3. She also anointed his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Why was this so shocking socially? You have to read the Bible as a Jewish text. And you have to read it from the historical sense of what was happening at that point in time. A A Jewish woman in the Bible times would never come to a table full of men unless she was called for. It was just socially unacceptable. Secondly, she would never let her hair down in public. That phrase, how many of you have heard the phrase, oh she really let her hair down? How many of you have ever heard that? Uh, Young people haven't heard anything lately, so that's fully unexplained. I want you to make the most generous contribution you can, together, we can change the world one life at a time. I'm counting on you to join me in this holy mission to save innocent lives in America. Thank you. In Bible times, that was something that was considered an invitation to intimacy and something that a woman would only do in the bedroom with her husband. People don't understand what they're saying when they say that, but that's where that phrase came from. She took her hair down and wiped his feet. Thirdly, she would serve the men and back out of the room and eat in another room. Hmm, you've come a long way. Why was this so shocking economically? Because it was pure spikenard, approximately 12 ounces of costly perfume. It cost her more than a year's wages. She came into the room full of men with a gift of super extravagant expensive top-notch quality perfume and without hesitation she broke it over the head of Jesus Christ and the entire contents soaked into his head into his tunic and into into his uh, into his beard. That was called a decision called love. How could she? Why would she? dare she do these things. The delicious fragrance ran down his hair and into his thick beard and flooded his body. It soaked his garments and the room and the house was filled with that fragrance. I love this story. I love this story. I tell Donna this story often. I tell her this story often because she says you wear too much cologne. I said, I'm just trying to be like Jesus for heaven's sake. She said, they're just supposed to be a hint. I said, I don't hint at anything. She said, that's a God's truth. <laughs> Many teach that Jesus was alone the last 48 hours of his life. He was physically alone. However... Everywhere that Jesus went the last 48 hours of his life, that powerful fragrance was on his body. It was in his beard. It was in his clothes. When he knelt in the shadows of Gethsemane, where he wept alone, when sweat like drops of blood fell from his face, when his disciples failed him by sleeping, there was that that magnificent aroma that said, Somebody made a decision to love you, Jesus. Someone loves you extravagantly. Someone loves you enough to do their very, very best. When he was dragged before Pilate and his men of war, they slapped him. They put a crown of thorns on his head, and his blood ran down his face and in streams onto the cobblestones of Jerusalem. There was that fragrance that was all over his body that said, someone loved you, Jesus. Enough to do their very best. Someone made a decision called love. When he stood alone in Pilate's judgment hall. And they shouted, crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate said, Behold the man. The fragrance was there when the Roman cat of nine tails ripped the flesh from his back with 39 stripes. The fragrance was there saying someone loved you enough to do their very best. Someone made a decision to love you above and beyond all measurements. When the, when the gamblers were at the foot of the cross, and they cast lots for his tunic, there was that powerful fragrance that the, uh, in that robe that said, This man was very special. Someone cared very much for this man. This man on the cross had an extravagant perfume on his body. Hear me. There will come a time in your life, and in your life, and in your life, when you're going to need someone to love you extravagantly, it's, there will come a time in your life when you need to make a decision to love, even when they don't deserve that love. To take an alabaster box of precious ointment and pour it over the wounded soul of someone that you know or someone that you love. You need someone to make a decision to love you when your business fails and you've lost all that you've worked for for years and you feel like a total failure. You will want someone to make a decision to love you. You'll want someone to make a decision to love you when you go through a divorce, when you feel rejected, when you feel cast aside. When all of your dreams and all of your plans are up in smoke. It'll be a wonderful day when someone will embrace you. And say I love you. When your dearest friends betray you. And believe me, sooner or later it will happen. When your children break your heart. When your wife or your husband says I want a divorce when the doctor says you have two months to live you're going to want someone to pour an alabaster box of love over your soul to heal the hurt and to stop the pain. When your dreams are shattered by unforeseen crisis you need someone to put their arm around you someone to hold you till the pain goes away to make a decision called love. Do you have that someone? Do you have that someone? You do. His name is Jesus. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but would have everlasting life. God made a decision to love you and to you and you and you and you and you you those of you watching by television and me he is your Passover lamb he is your Redeemer He is the lover of your soul. He is the Lord of glory. He is your light and your salvation. He is wonderful. He is counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is your healer. He is the way maker. He is the chain breaker. He is your deliverer from the powers and principalities of darkness. He is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. He is the portrait of beauty. He is the mighty God the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and of his kingdom, there shall be no end giving praise in the house of God. Not everyone in the room liked that expression of love. There's always some sourpuss hanging in the corner that rejects love of any kind. As the ointment is flooded his body, the jealous Judas grieved. He said, you've wasted it. The perfume that you've given could, could have, the money could have been given to the poor. Judas didn't give a hoot about the poor. The magnificence of the moment was marred by the murmuring, greedy, traitor, of the Son of God, Judas. Judas at that very moment was negotiating with the Pharisees to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You see the hypocrisy there. That's another sermon for another day. They have no love for God. They have no love for others. But let something be done with quality that brings glory to the name of the Lord. And suddenly they're concerned that the resources are not being well spent. Oh, have I lived with that for so many years? Understand, they have given nothing to take care of the poor. And I believe in taking care of the poor. But I don't believe in using the poor as an excuse for your lack of love. I do not. Jesus gave the answer, the poor you have with you always. Hear me, that verse is proof that the federal government of the United States will never be able to eliminate poverty with a tax and spend giveaway programs that Congress is producing. Poverty, poverty is a direct result of sin. Sin is refusal to live by God's word. Let me tell you how God says to eliminate poverty in, in America or any other nation. One, a recognized almighty God as your father. When people say, I believe in God, what God? There's only one true God. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is no other God. (laughs) Secondly, go to work. In those first Ten Commandments, six days you shall work. My father said, I don't care what half day you work, just pick any 12 hours you want. And he meant that. I say that because this week the U.S. Congress refused to recognize that able-bodied welfare recipients do not have to work 20 hours a week. It may be too stressful for them. You know how to get those people out of office? Vote them out! This is called socialism. It has never worked and it will never work. Thirdly, a way to prosper is tithe. Give God what belongs to Him and God will give you the riches of heaven. I can tell you that works as a principle. Live by the word of God. This is not a book of recommendations. This is a book of law. This is a book of truth. God doesn't care about your opinion. His opinions are here. What about my will? Crucify it. That's what this book says. What about my will? Paul said crucify your will. You pray it. Not my will thine be done. But you don't mean that. You pray the Lord's Prayer, not my will, but thine be done, and get up and do what you wish to do. Live by the Word of God. Prosperity will come. All work is honorable. So get off the couch and go to work. America will explode with prosperity. And people have been bringing up to me for weeks now, what about this border thing? I think every nation should have the right to determine who comes in and who stays in. Am I thankful that the president is trying to keep out criminals, and thieves, and drug pushers, and anarchists from foreign countries? You believe? Yes, you absolutely believe that. I am most appreciative of that. And so people say, so where's the Bible? illustration of compassion concerning that let me give you a real good one jesus has built a place called heaven it is surrounded by high walls four walls no one is allowed to get in there who does not keep the rules in this book law of God. The law of God breaks you. That's not compassionate. Tell that to God. You read the book of Revelation. There's a long list of names of people who are not going to get in. Never. Moving right along while the joy is so high. Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached in the world, what this woman has done is a memorial to her. Jesus is saying, when you're honoring me, there are times that extravagant love is the order of the day. Break a vase. Do something unusual. Do something so extraordinary in your outburst of the love of God that the world will resent it. That's when you really are doing something good. When God told Moses... To build the tabernacle in the wilderness, it was an extravagant love. It was a decision to love. The furniture was covered with gold. Some of it was solid gold. The tent was five layers of royal colors. The post that held the sockets were sockets of silver. When God told Solomon to build the temple, he said, I want you to build something that the world will talk about forever. One of the most, one of the great wonders of the world was Solomon's temple. It was breathtaking. It was beautiful. It would cost billions of dollars to rebuild it today. Have you read about the new Jerusalem in heaven? It's not being built by the lowest bidder, by the way. God, the master architect of the ages, has made a decision to break a vase, to do something that is extravagantly lovable for each and every one of you. He is preparing a city where the streets are purest gold. He is designing right now a custom mansion made just for you. He's having a city where you wear robes and crowns and have eternal life. Where the lame leap with glory. Where there's no one sick. Where there has never been a tear that falls from the eye of a believer. Where the word goodbye has never been spoken. We're going to that place. God gave St. Paul a guided tour through heaven. St. Paul who had the ability to describe so much, so well, so quickly and Paul said, the half is not entered into the minds of me and what God has prepared for his own. It's not some shack on the other side of space. It is the world that your brain can possibly fathom. It's where the dumb speak, the deaf hear. There are no hospitals, there's no sickness, there's no sorrow, there's no parting. Why? Because God's extravagant love has been poured over every life here that will receive Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you're not really living because fun really begins when you know the Son of God. Most of all the places where God is Must all the places where God is represented, should they be mediocre? Must everything be ordinary? When it comes to honoring God, do your best. Break a vase. Why not the highest quality? Make a decision called love. If we can, if we can pay a basketball player a hundred million dollars to throw a ball through an iron hoop. Surely we can do something for the Lord Jesus Christ that will bless him, that will honor him, that will please him. There's an old expression in the theater world called break a leg. It means go out on stage and knock the lights out. I have a new one for Christians. It's called break a vase. Make a decision called love. When is the last time you did something that was so extravagant, so absolutely breathtaking, an act of love for your wife? When is the last time you did that, husband? Boy, has it become silent in here. Some are wiping their brow with sweat. Lady, when is the last time you did something with extravagant love that blessed your wife, your husband, that blessed your husband, your children? When is the last time you did something for the Lord that was special? It made the angel stand up and say, look at that, wow. Some of you sweet souls or unbroken alabaster boxes, you have a potential to bless the Lord and bless other people, but you've never made the decision to love. I'm praying that God breaks your vase, vase, not vase, vase. the Holy Spirit gets hold of your well structured proper life and just (laughs) Lord look from heaven mold us make us shake us break us until the fragrance of the Holy Spirit flows out of our lives to bless this city to bless america and to bless the world let it happen and let it happen here give the lord praise in the house you haven't lived until you've made a decision called love i want to read one john two fifteen again love not the world Neither the things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you love the Lord? I mean, do you love Him above all else? Do you love His people? Jesus said, if you don't love My people, you don't love Me. Do you love His house enough to honor Him when we don't have Christmas poem set us out here? Do you love him enough to give him your finest out of your resources to advance his glorious gospel to the nations of the world? Mary did her best for Jesus. She made a decision called love. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached in all the world, they're going to talk about this woman. She is a woman who in one gush of love made world history that will be spoken about for eternity. Have you? Will you? Have you done your very best for the Lord Jesus? Can we stand together in the presence of the Lord? How many of you here can say, Pastor, I am not giving my best to Jesus. I know that I'm not. My life is self-contained, self-satisfying. I want the Lord to use me even if he has to break my well-structured life until my life counts for something greater than myself. Does that describe you? Can I see your hand? Just slip your hand up. God bless you all over the house. Put your hands down. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm walking through the darkest storm of my life. I need to feel the ointment of God's love cover me, to heal me, to make the pain go away. Does that describe you? Let me see your hand right where you are. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Those of you who are watching by television. Join us in this prayer. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. We come into your throne. We come to your throne in the authority of Jesus name. In the authority of Jesus name. Asking that today, asking that today you prepare our hearts. You prepare our hearts to make a decision for love. To make a decision for love. That we will love the members of our family. That we will love the members of our friend, for the pure and everlasting love. For the pure and everlasting. That life. we will love God the Father. We will love God his Son, Jesus Christ, his Son Jesus Christ with an absolute love greater than anything the world knows we will love the Lord Jesus Christ from this day forward we want to do our very best to demonstrate to, to the Lord how much we love him in Jesus' name in Jesus' name Amen.